Welcome to a Life of Choice podcast, the podcast that helps you shift and broaden your perspective to get more out of life. I'm your host, Robin McCaig, so let's get started. Welcome back. Today's topic I've entitled Box or No Box. If you've been through the school system, many times we're labeled, put in a box, based on various tests. We're told that they're there to help us, and we continue learning about testing as we go through university and into the workplace. And even as entrepreneurs, there's different tests that we use for different tools and different topics. When I was in school, IQ tests were used, and I'm not sure if they still are. And it was later found that there's such a cultural difference in IQ tests that it really wasn't fair to a lot of the students because of different socioeconomic background and different cultures. They provided an example of a Caucasian person taking a test from someone of color and their culture and how we would do as poorly as many of them have done in the tests that we think is normal or the norm. I remember being in school and part of a project where they tested us pre and post. And there were two groups. And I was in the group that got to read on my own. The other group did particular grammar, spelling, different English-related topics. We tested both before and after for understanding of language and the different tools that they used in the grammar part and the more specific learning skills. And I was the anomaly. I was the only person in the group that read on their own that actually increased their vocabulary and did better in the test than when I started. So what happened, they looked at my reading list and they told me I couldn't possibly understand the books I was reading. I remember one of the books was Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. I loved the book and didn't understand why they thought I couldn't understand the book. It didn't make any sense to me in my child brain. And I also read a book in one day, and they couldn't believe that I could actually read a book in a day. So I was already kind of a shy and quiet kid, and this made me withdraw even more because I wasn't believed. So instead of looking at the actual tests and accepting this as a valid result, it was more questioning me and what I did and perhaps what they thought I did some cheating or something. So it wasn't a pleasant experience for me. And I remember the angst with thinking about going to a master's program and looking at the, I think it was the SAT book at the time, and thinking, how can you write these tests? And it's scaring me off because of past experiences. Overall, I did well in testing, even though there was anxiety about it, but there still was kind of a stigma. And so I didn't really like testing. And I remember when I worked corporately having to do testing and feeling that anxiety and still being able to get through it, but noticing I would have done so much better without that anxiety. And so there's a lot of criticism around school tests and whether you're actually 
testing people's ability and knowledge or their ability to take a test. So this is a long introduction into the actual topic of how do tests in the adult world as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, actually help you or hinder you? For example, I know a lot of sales courses use the DISC, D-I-S-C profile, and it comes up with a color. And so the idea is that you speak people's preferences and make sure that the time you spend is used wisely. And for example, being more energetic with someone who has a specific color profile as compared to someone else who likes the more calm type of speaking and likes things in a different way. When I was involved in training, I did the Myers-Briggs and we were matched with our mentees and the people we were training to work together based on that profile. So what I find is interesting, especially with the Myers-Briggs, it's changeable and at the same time, it's a snapshot in time and many people take that score and feel that's them forever and that they don't change at all. For myself, my profile did slightly change as I came out of my shell and was able to be a bit more extroverted, that introversion wasn't as strong. And it's interesting, even with the introvert, extrovert, ambivert, there's a place where people place themselves on these scales. And really, it's a continuum. Everything is a continuum. And it's where we're at in a moment in time, and also maybe a specific situation. So for myself, I'm very much the introvert in the sense that I need my alone time to regenerate. And at the same time, I can be a bit of an extrovert in certain situations. For example, speaking on stage is not that uncomfortable for me. It's like I'm there to do something and I know other introverts say that's the last thing they want to do is to bring attention onto themselves. So I think that part of it is looking at the situational. And at the same time, there's this stereotyping that occurs with this testing and people seeing their results. And it becomes kind of a self-deprecating humor, which I don't really appreciate. I think it's very, in a way, not really kind. And I don't think it serves a really good purpose. If we're lumping people into this box and we're all the same, it just isn't true. The box is there to help us give some definitions, some ideas, some collective experiences, but it's not meant to box us into being a certain way or a certain type. It's to help us understand ourselves and others because we are all alike in some ways and we're all different in some ways. And we make up stories about who we are, where we've been, and what that means. Humans want to make sense of the world and so we make up these stories, whether they serve us or not. And yes, we are all unique. So I do believe there is value in some testing, depending how it's used, 
the purpose, and the actual test itself. It's really interesting because people love to take quizzes. They love to learn more about themselves. If you look online, the amount of tests out there, the number of funnels that people are using to bring them into their programs and what they're doing, a lot of quizzes are created around helping us to see parts of ourselves. And it helps us to feel a bit unique, but also with other people. And it's part of that that we want, right? To feel understood and seen. It's part of our human nature to want that. So one of the tests that I use, or assessments I'd prefer to call it, is the motivational map. And it's based on the Enneagram, Shine's Career Anchors, and Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. So first of all, because it is so unique to each individual, there are nine motivators and the intensity, the stacking, and whether it's met or not, is different for every individual. So people cannot be categorized when there's over a million combinations. That would be simply impossible. And the thing is, motivation is very difficult to see. When I ask people before they get the results to uh, give me their top three and their bottom one, only maybe 80% get even some of them. I've only had one person ever get all four in the correct order. So it's very invisible to us, and this assessment helps to bring it visible. And right up front, I say that motivation changes over time. Because if you think about it, five years, 10 years, even sometimes within two years, what motivated you before has changed. Your life circumstances, how you feel about things, what you look towards for the future can all be different by then. And the other assessment I use is the Enneagram. Now there are nine types. And within that, there is a lot of variation depending on wings and instincts. So there's a lot more involved than just knowing your type. There's different developmental levels. And at the same time, when people hear in depth and they feel seen and heard, it's a way in to see the ego defense mechanisms that came in place at that early age to make them feel safe and finding a way beyond that box to their true self. So it's not about pe putting people in the box, it's about getting underneath that box to their true essence and core of who they are without those different parameters and blind spots and ways that we see the world that don't serve us anymore. And I see a lot of this self-deprecating humor around the Enneagram. And it really makes me want to cringe. And I just feel it's a disservice to a very deep, spiritual, psychological process that actually gives us a map towards becoming our best self to our core essence of who we are. And that's the other reason I love using this because there's other assessments, for example, Myers-Briggs that I talked about earlier. It doesn't give us any path for growth. So yes, we can do these assessments, but what does it really tell us? Is it being used in a way 
that actually helps us to grow and move forward in our life and be more of who we are? Or is it defining us in some way that is keeping us in that box? For example, like when I was a child and told that I couldn't possibly be smart or understand what I read or read a book in a day. So for myself, I found myself not engaging or leaving different Facebook groups that just look at the surface. And it's like a parlor game, they used to call it, right? So it was like this fun thing to do. And maybe I take it a bit more seriously than some. But at the same time, I think that there is that place of not valuing ourselves and not showing ourselves and others kindness. So I do believe there is value in taking someone else's perspective into account as you're dealing with them, either as a client or with family, friends. So if we do know their preferences, whether it's through some assessment or test or just getting to know them, it's invaluable in how we talk to them communicate with them and build that bridge because communication is difficult enough. Relationships can be difficult enough. So the more that we can build that understanding and speak in a way that they can hear us, then there is that reciprocity that they're going to be more interested in speaking to you in a way that you both understand. And it's all about the relationship, right? It's whether... In business or in our personal life, everything is built on relationships. So the more that we can build those relationships, the more we can deepen those relationships and understand each other and help each other be seen and heard, the more successful you're going to be, the more each of you are going to be feeling seen and heard, and people are going to then seek you out and appreciate you for how you treat them. And it's just good customer service. So using the preferences, not putting people into boxes, being open to different ways in the moment, being present is so important because maybe that assessment or that test didn't tell you everything about them. It's only one snippet of that person, who they are. So it's always important to remember that that within those variations, we have our uniqueness and it all blends together to bring out that interesting person that's in front of you, that you're dealing with. And bottom line is be curious, be open, and bring into account what they like so that you can speak to them in a way that they appreciate and that can benefit your relationship, and build stronger communication and collaboration between the two of you. So if you're interested in taking the conversation further, please join a Life of Choice community Facebook group, and I will see you there. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed listening, please rate and recommend the show on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week.